Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of my three-part podcast. And finally, we are at the last third of the book. Now, things get really heated in this one, uh, much more so than it's already been. Now, the second part was a doozy, that's for sure. I mean, my god, the things that happened in the second part, who? And it only gets worse from here. Well, in some ways. Not in that creepy way that, uh, you know, that dream that Todd had in the start of the second part of the book. That, that kind of dissolves a little more. Although it gets worse in different ways. So you, you, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. So, uh, I believe where we left off, uh, Todd and Dusander starts going on an absolute murdering spree, just killing hobos left and right. Uh, just stabbing them whenever they see fit, you know, to their heart's content. Which I'm like, someone should have caught on by now, you know? Because it, it, it seems like there are just dead hobos on the street, wherever they go all of a sudden, and no one's really, no one's really mentioning any of this, so... Yeah, it's interesting. And, uh, alright, so where, where did we leave off? Uh, I believe... Do Sander and um, <clears throat> Do Sander and Todd have been uh, what's what's the word? They've been growing apart. Yes, they've been growing apart because uh, clearly Todd has grown a disdain for Do Sander because I don't think he wants to hear Nazi stories as much anymore. Ever ever since Do Sander has uh, shown his. Uh, his power over him, because he's not... Todd isn't as untouchable and all-knowingly smart as uh, he would like to believe. Especially since Sander was able to manipulate him so easily. Uh, so now we're at a part uh, where something's come up. Because constantly Todd is afraid that Sander is about to drop dead because he's... He's constantly growing older, and I believe in the book, uh, it's a few years now? And Todd's growing older, and he's, I believe, on the verge of becoming salutatorian? is not valedictorian, because he didn't make it, I think. He's salutatorian, which I, I bet, I bet he's pretty angry about, which is cool. Any, any misery afflicted to Todd is something I like. Because I don't like Todd. He's a he's he's not a he's not a good person. No siree. But um Yeah, he's going to become salutatorian, so I believe that means he's around seventeen or eighteen, because he's graduating from high school. And uh Do Sanders like, oh that's pretty neat, I think. I don't remember what Do Sanders said, but all I know is the man had a heart attack. Cause uh mishap happened where uh he was uh Trying to kill another one of them hobos. He was like, hey, you know, come with me. I'm, uh, come to me to my house. And we're gonna have, you know, some food. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of a, of a chat. And, uh, you know, it's better than out here. And, of course, most hobos would be like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, what have I got to lose? And, and little they know their life. And, um, this one almost got away. He was like, oh, God. He's running, and then Sanders like, Oh god, I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an old man, I'm like 85 years old. What am I gonna do about this young, spry 
maybe six-year-old hobo. He's got 20 years on me. And then uh, Doosander ran after him. And I remember reading that Doosander ran after him and I thought, This man can run? Excuse me? This man still has the legs to run? I mean, he got him. He's uh, He got the hobo, but he had a heart attack because, you know, if an 85-year-old man starts running... I think that'll do I'll that'll do it for you. So, you know, he's he has that heart attack and he's like, "Man, what do I do in this situation? I know." And then just just snap back all the way to uh to Todd's house where he's just having a a lovely time with his parents. And uh and I believe the phone rings and he's like, "Uh, yellow." And then they're like, "Oh, um it's Doosander, and he sounds either, either, either sad or, or excited. I can't, I can't tell. Here you go, honey. Here's, here's Doosander, Todd. And apparently, Monica, his mom, is a little bit like, it's, it's kind of weird that you know this old 85-year-old man started calling, calling my boy Todd. Ah, uh, but I, I, I'm not gonna do anything about this. You know, I'm just gonna let it happen. Because Todd's an apt pupil and he knows best. And so Todd answers the phone and he's like, Hey, yo, what's up? And then Sanders like, I got a heart attack. I'm dying. And then Todd nearly freaks out. But you know him? Calm, composed, not a care in the world. Outside. In his mind, he's completely freaking out. He's panicking. He's like, oh god, everyone's gonna find out. If this guy dies, I gotta save him. And so, you know, he, he out, his outward personality is just like, Ah, you know, we're cool. I just, he just wants me to come over and read this letter that his friend sent him, you know? It's chill. I just, I gotta do it for him. He sounds so excited. And then Monica's like, Alright. Sure. Yeah, go ahead, why not? And then, uh, the dad's, like, not given, like, the slightest care. He's just in the other room being like, Monica, what, what did you buy this time? And just interrupting the mom the entire time while, he's, while she's just concerned for her kid. Because, you know, you know, you know how dads in that age are, I guess. Because <laughs> it seems like most dads around that time is like, um, a kid going to see an 85-year-old man in the middle of the night? No biggie there. So anyways, he goes, and then he's like, hey, what's up? And then he opens the door, and Sanders is covered in blood, and he's like, I, th I thought you said you had a heart attack. What happened? And so Sander just sitting there, and he's like, oh, this? It's not my blood. Don't worry about it. And he's like, not your blood. And then he looks over, and then there's just a dead hobo. And he's like, I've been there. So he, he freaks out, and he's like, oh, God, I gotta... I gotta bury this guy, aren't I? Oh man. And so Sanders like, yeah, you better. Cause if if this gets found out, you're going out with me. And he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so he starts digging a hole in the backyard with a shovel. Shoving that body inside and being like, alright, we're good. And uh, I, f I think he grabbed something from the hobo. I, for I forgot what exactly happened. Cause, oh, there was a boot. His other shoe was in the house, he had to throw it in there. Because he had to call the call 911 to be like, Hey, this old dude's got a heart attack. This sh he should go to the hospital, you know? And then he can't obviously do that if it's like also a dead hobo in here. 
not enough room in the ambulance. And so, cleans it all up, and he's like, alright, I'm gonna call the ambulance. And he's like, the 911 says they'll be there soon. You know, and then he decides, okay, I'm gonna go call my parents now. Just to, just to, just to bring them into the mix. And he's like, hey dad. So I called 911, well, he didn't tell him he called 911 right away. He said, so, uh, Doosander, being the old man he is, had a heart attack. And his son is, and then his dad's like, wait, what? Oh, wait, no, no, he calls his mom first. The mom's like, what's up? He calls her mommy. And she's like, oh, okay, something's up. And then gives it to the dad. And then the dad's like, I'll be on my way in four minutes. And he's like, cool. And then he's sitting there and he's thinking, oh, wait, so the cops and my dad is coming. And I just cleaned up a crime scene. Oh, God, what am I, what am I going to do here? Is, do I, am I missing anything? And then he's, he's thinking over and over, he's just cleaning up any evidence he can because the clock's running out and, and you know, time's almost near. And he's like, oh, I'm supposed to be reading you a letter. And then Sanders like, what? Oh, yeah, I, I got some got some old German letters in a, in a box upstairs. And I, I, I don't remember if he had a key or anything, or if he gave him a key, but I know he went up there and he couldn't open it, so he just busted it in and broke it open, and he got it. And then his dad came, and then he was like, Aha, I'm gonna put the letter on the table to indicate that I, I, I was reading him a letter. And the dad didn't care, he just kind of saw it, and he's like, alright, I'm off. And then, so they took him to the hospital. And so, after that, we cut to, to this guy, Morris. Is his name Morris? I think his name was Morris. <clears throat> so Morris was just, you know, doing doing his thing. He was on a, on a ladder, I believe, fixing the gutter. And, uh, he was just, you know, talking about his life, how, uh, you know, things couldn't... Uh, well, not actually, no. Before that, he was just chilling, and he was getting annoyed at his wife because I, he was, I think he was comparing her to his his other wife who died, and he was like, this, you know, she's not as good as my other wife, and I'm like, if you don't like her that much, why'd you marry her? And then he's just, he's just, you know, going away at the gutter, and then he's, I think the um his wife was just going, oh, you know that. Dog or cat, I forgot which one, but that neighbor's pet's interacting with our pet and they're gonna cause and, and do something, you know? And then and then he, you know, is kinda kinda bored. Well not bored, irritated at his wife. So he just kinda drones her out and just ignores her. But then exactly what her wife what his wife just said, the neighbor's dog or cat was fighting with their dog or cat, chasing them around. And knocked the ladder over and Morris fell on his back well I, I don't really know where exactly but he woke up and it was a mess he was not okay and his neighbor started calling 911 as well and so he was rushed to the hospital and then he was contemplating about how he was like hey, you know I may be paralyzed from the waist down but it could be worse it could be very much worse and then he notes that he has a set of numbers on his arm or on his wrist, I forgot where they put it, indicating that he was in one of those camps during uh, during World War II. Indicating that it's like, hey, I may be paralyzed from the waist down, but at least I'm not back there, you know? And then he looks over to his side. What do you know? It's Sander, And I'm like, wow, what a set of coincidences. 
And so that happened, and I'm like, oh, this is it. Dusander's been fi- been found out. But um, he didn't recognize him just yet. He just felt he just had a had an off feeling about Dusander, which it's like you know, that's that's fair. That's completely understandable. I mean, if it weren't for the fact that he's a Nazi, even if he didn't know that, he just gives off an off feeling. Because, you know, that Nazi thing doesn't really just go away. It just kind of... Like, like he proved earlier in chapters, even though he's been suppressing it, the slightest, the slightest opportunity for him to just show it out there, he's just like, I'm a Nazi. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a serial manipulator and killer. Mainly of hobos. Uh, so then we, we, uh, of course, uh, have some back and forths between everyone. I believe, uh, Todd goes and visits Dusander and has a slight chat with Morris where he's like, oh, you know, who's, who's this guy? And he's like, oh, I don't really talk to him that much. And he talks to him about how he lived in Germany for a bit and uh, asked if he was in World War II, and he was like, well, I can't give away that this dude was an SSR... SSR? SS officer. That SSR is, I believe... Is that Russia? No, that's the USSR. Anyways. Uh, so Todd, you know, not being a fool, uh, doesn't accidentally reveal Dusander. but when Morris falls asleep, he's just gonna... He's, he goes and talks to... Um, he goes and talks to Dusander, and uh, he's like, hey... Listen, I can't do this anymore. I am not gonna visit you again. And then Dusander, he says that after Dusander's like, hey, can you get me some alcohol? Could you could you slip in some some booze for me? And he's like, nah, I'm good. And he, uh, actually, I'm not. I don't ever want to see you again. And then Dusander's kind of sad about it, cause it's weird. He has this weird relationship with Todd where he kind of likes him, but at the same time, he doesn't like him. It's an odd, it's a messed up relationship, really. And, um... Yeah, Dusander's like, alright, if you're if you're never gonna see me again, I guess we gotta come clean. I don't have a deposit thing for you. I don't have a note inside of my safe deposit box. That was all made up, just like your, your, so, your so-called letter to your friend. I bet that was also made up. And then Todd's like, I don't believe you. Because it's very easy for you to lie. And then Dusander just says, We can't be done here if you don't believe me. And then Todd, Todd accepts that, and they just kind of part ways. It's it's weird, because Dusander later notes that he has respect for Todd, even though he could never like him. And in my mind, it's just like... Why? Why do you have respect for Todd? Is it because he's a messed up individual just like you? I guess that's what that means. I don't know. Todd is is one creepy dude. For the rest of the book, he starts grabbing his his rifle and pretends to shoot people. He like goes to uh some kind of some, I I don't know where he is like in the forest and he snipes at um this lady in her car and he go and instead of shooting, he goes bang. Like what? That's insane. Who we'll let this kid out? With the with, with this rifle, like I I it just kind of says something, you know? Cause I it, it, this is also kind of how society thinks in a way that just because someone is is um is smart that they are deemed to be ideal and cannot make any of these things. When I will say that Todd probably has some probably mental issues. 
no one here is, um... Everyone can have mental disabilities and mental issues, regardless of the person. And definitely just being an apt pupil or being smart does not discount you from in need of help or anything like that. But because, not only because of the era, even though it, this constantly happens now, but Todd is often remarked as super smart, uh, charismatic, uh, just fantastic overall, yet no one ever really notices all of these hints that he's dropping. His, his, uh, his, well, I wouldn't really call it an alter ego, his inner self, where he's just messed up in so many ways, where he secretly hates people, wants them to die, wants to inflict harm upon them. This inner personality is not exactly hidden well, but it's hidden enough that the excuse that he couldn't be like this is enough for them not to notice because him his parents often especially his mom often sees all of these hints that he's dropping that there's something wrong with todd but not only her but her father not only her but her husband todd's father often disregards all of these obvious hints because their son couldn't be like this they raised them well they raised him to be smart. They raised him to be an apt pupil. And it wasn't like Todd became like this because of Deuce Sander or became like this because his grades started dropping. Todd has been like this forever. He has been like this for a long time. It just started showing. Like, I'm sure his, his, his parents raised him properly to an extent, of course. Uh, but it's not as if he's had the worst background or the worst experiences in life. And that doesn't, and having the worst experiences doesn't mean you have, doesn't, is not the reason why people have mental illness. It's a big, it could be, but just because you were quote unquote raised right or the ideal right doesn't mean you're, you're safe from having this. Because by all means, Todd was... This was part of this ideal uh, all-American family. And yet Todd still ended up like this crazy mess that he is now. But I digress. Uh, tons of things happen. Uh, Sander and... Sander and Morris have a back and forth. Morris just talking about how he misses his old wife. Kinda hates his new wife. Kinda doesn't. But is constantly annoyed at her, uh, struggling with his paralysis waist down and having this odd feeling with Dusander while also having this back and forth. Uh, Dusander apparently charms one of the nurses because of his gentleman-like behavior, I guess. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the hospital, but the big thing is Morris's revelation. He has dreams of the camps, specifically, uh, specifically about Dusander, about him being the SS officer who comes in and tortures everyone, especially when uh, food comes in and he imagines the lamb stew that that specifically Dusander would use to manipulate all of the people in the camps to give up information. Uh, 
another thing that sparks this is when he's talking to the nurse and the nurse has this uh, boyfriend or something and I think they might get married or, her, or they might propose I think is what's happening what was happening with her and then he said oh you have to tell us all about it uh, spare no detail or uh, what I forgot what exact words he used but he said uh, he basically said that spare no detail and it remind it that reminded him of what hap of uh, of all the interrogations he would do to him because he was one of the people he interrogated he flashed back to those moments and realized who this was and then he just started panicking because you know he were lifelong abuser and was chilling in the bed right next to you for weeks and you didn't even realize it but um yeah also he regained feeling in his toes he wiggled it a little bit which means he's not totally paralyzed, which he was pretty happy about. Which I think is symbolism that um his like uh, his his disability, which is caused by Dusander, uh, does not completely cripple him because he's able to wiggle his toe. It's only slightly, but he was able to break free, which is kind of symbolic to how uh, the people in the camps probably were. They were probably broken down to a very big level because of Dusander, but they still had that slight bit of hope that they, that they were able to get out. But at the end of the day, uh, Morris figured it out, and he told uh, he told investigators. I forgot what they were called, but the people who were specifically looking for Nazis who escaped from Germany uh, found him. They 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 got the call from Morris, and they came in. And then uh, one day, Dusander woke up, and one of them was right next to him, questioning him about his identity. And, you know, uh, Dusander, realizing his situation, he goes, okay, you know, uh, I, he's, he gives us the same basic spiel he, give, he gives, and exactly the same one that he gave Todd when they first met. Uh, I moved here when my wife died. I didn't really partake in the war. I was, I was just building things, and then... Uh, near the end, I was in service, but I didn't do much. And then, you know, of course, the investigator knows and just calls BS on him. And Todd and Todd. Well, they're the Todd. Do Sander and Todd are the same person at the same point. At 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 this point, they're the same person. So Do Sander just gives us the same thing. Because what else can he do? Honestly, there's nothing he can do. He's been found out. And so the investigator realizes, okay. He, uh, I'm not getting anything out of him. He said, all right, I'll, I'll come and get you at some point. You're not safe. And he leaves. And then Dusander, you know, realizing the situation, he's like, okay, I got to do something about this. I know what I have to do. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe Dusander's going to go escape. And then he notes on uh, this door that isn't really well guarded. And he just walks in in the middle of the night. And then I'm thinking, is this... Is this like some kind of exit, or maybe uh, some some stairs going down to the main floor? And then no, oh, he he grabs a bunch of pills, and I'm like, oh, that's what he's doing. The doctors did tell him that he only has a few years to live, so I guess he decided it's better that I go, I I I um I do this at my own terms. And you know, it's unfortunate. Because he deserved to get imprisoned and uh, serve any sentence that, you know, any sentence they would have given him. Because at this point, he got what he wanted. 
to well again to an extent to be fair the majority of his life after nazi germany were pretty miserable i think it didn't seem like he was free so at, at the very least he was in his own way imprisoned even if it was on his own terms uh but yeah he he popped some pills and then he drifted off to sleep uh cutting back to todd who apparently was um who's working somewhere near wherever his father works or is working now and he gets rides from him and he's annoyed and something about that he's getting some kind of uh, sports scholarship and it's on the it's on the news now it's on newspapers and uh, everyone's so proud of Todd because he's a, not only is he an apt pupil but he's a he's a he's a he's a sports star and everything's great until newspaper comes in uh, news flash do Sanders dead uh, he was not uh, he was not what everyone thinks he was he was a Nazi and uh, his parents just 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 spill their tear because cause they, cause they realize that, oh, our kid's been hanging around a Nazi for, like, years now. That's crazy. And now he's dead. And so, being the ignorant parents they are, they don't, they don't question whether or not Todd knew. They just wholeheartedly believe that he's not the type of person to have known. Even though, quite obviously, if you spent that amount of time, you and this kid's that smart, he should have figured it out. You know, if he's if he's such a smart kid and he's hung around Do Senator for what, like five years, he should have been able to figure out that he was a Nazi. Especially with all that detective kits that he wanted to, because he apparently wanted to be a detective. So if you have a smart detective kid, he should have been able to figure that out. But no, they didn't question this. They just assumed that. He couldn't have. He couldn't. He couldn't have possibly known. So eventually, the investigators meet him because you know eventually they would try to find out whoever Dusander had contact with, especially the person who brought him to the hospital. And so they meet with uh, Todd, and then the the main investigators talking to them, asking them questions, and Todd realizes the grave situation he's in and tries to play along going oh man i had no idea i'm so heartbroken and uh eventually the investigator asks him hey uh, did did do sander ever get any calls you know uh maybe from someone maybe did he speak german and uh todd's like oh this is perfect i can say he got a call like every week and then they'll they'll put suspicion because they because they were already thinking that he had another person on his side, and they also were suspicious about him with the letter, which is foreshadowing from when he felt like there was a problem that he needed to take care of, and it involved that letter. It's coming back to bite him now. And so you know the investigator leaves, and he talks to his partner, and he's like, "Oh, that kid, that kid's creepy as hell. Yeah, he was totally lying. He's definitely in on it in some way." And they're trying to put the pieces together. Um, oh, I forgot. Do Sander, when he was alive, was telling Todd to be careful because he also realized that Todd was also killing hobos while he was killing hobos because um, there was a newspaper that was talking about people killing hobos. And Do Sander was like, well, I didn't kill almost half of these hobos, so it must have been Todd because who else would it be, you know? And um, yeah, the investigators put two and two together. They're thinking, oh, God, this... Did Todd kill all those hobos? 
Man, that's crazy. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Rubber Ed is his name, the the therapist guy. Uh, he's at he was at some kind of um counselor guidance counselor kind of convention. And he was super bored, but he realized that he lived in he he was staying nearby where Todd's actual grandfather lived. And so, for some reason, he was flipping through the phone book and he thought, you know, I'll I'll talk to Victor Bowden. I think that's what his grandfather's name is. I'll talk to him. Uh, I want to see uh, what he's been up to. And so he contacts him, he calls him, and he sounds completely different. And of course he does, because this is the real grandfather, not Dusander. And of course, he has no recollection of this so-called conversation they had, because they never had one. And so Rubber Ed, with, filled with curiosity of, why does he sound different, goes and meets him and realizes, yeah, this is not the same person. And he thinks about it, and he's like, Who was that? Maybe it doesn't matter anymore. He's... Todd's been... Todd's graduating high school. Clearly, this doesn't matter. It's been such a long time ago. Why does it matter? And, uh... Still, though, Rubber Ed is... Gets his curi... Um, gets... His curiosity gets to him. Because, uh, eventually, he, uh... He, he decides to investigate some more. He goes to... He goes to the school and looks for records with his with his daughter, and he finds the report cards and realizes that they've been tampered with. Of course, because uh, Todd's been tampering with them because of his failing grades, and so he realizes, I've been tricked by this kid. And at this point, Rubberhead still has no reason to, to be too cautious about this, because he's just like, okay, kid lied because he, he was failing and didn't want his parents to know. Okay, whatever. Although he's still curious on who the hell that grandfather was. Did he go to a retirement home and start looking for any actors to go and play the part of his grandfather? And he thought, that's ridiculous. Who would do this? Why would they do this? Why would anyone offer to do this for this kid? And um, he didn't really... He was still thinking about it, but he didn't really care all too much until the newspaper with the headline of Sander the Dead Nazi, showed up and he's like... This is Todd's grandfather, what the heck? He was... He was a Nazi? Okay, this 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 changes everything. And, um... He goes and visits Todd. And Todd's parents aren't there. And, uh... He's just like, hey... Wanna explain why your... Your fake Nazi granddad... Started looking... Started, uh, covering for you? Did you know? You knew, right? You knew he was a Nazi, and then Todd's like, yep, 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 he knows. Okay, this is the last piece of evidence the cop needs to convict me, so... Uh, what am I gonna do about it? And so, this is where Chekhov's gun comes into play. Because for the entire third part, Todd has been talking about his dang gun the entire time. Talking about how he wanted to shoot... Uh, he wanted to shoot just random people... His parents want to shoot Betty, his girlfriend, which he has, which he has some not so kind words for. Apparently, there's a whole thing with him and his girlfriend Betty that is just, just weird, and I don't know why it's in the story. <laughs> kind of, I guess it's to show Todd's unhingedness, but it's also like, why is this in here? But anyways, he finally does it. He just pulls out a gun and shoots Rubberette. 
just in his lawn, basically. And Rubberhead's like, whoa, hold on, don't do it. And then he shoots him. And then he's trying to trying to get free, and he shoots him again, and he shoots him again, and he's like, alright. Okay, he's dead. And then, so, it just carries on where Todd's like, okay, I, okay, I see what's happening, alright, hold on. And he just kind of starts, you know, grabbing stuff and preparing, and then you're like, oh god, what's happening? And then apparently, Todd just, just decided to hold up in his house, get ready for the police, and just, they, they, well, oh, actually, hold on, before they, before they came for him, uh, before they came for him, uh, this other old hobo guy went up to another investigator who was mainly investigating the hobo cases, uh, apparently he was really stinky, he talked to him and he said, oh, yeah, this Todd guy, yeah, that he's the one who's been killing all these hobos, I remember, because he, I saw his face and his weird grin, uh, when he, when he took my friend Polly, and he's like, how do you know? He's like, well, I saw this picture in the newspaper about him being like a superstar scholarship person. And it was him. And he's like, oh, dear God, that's that's insane. And then he meets up with the other investigator people with Dusander and they connect the two. And then they start going to Todd's house. And I'm assuming they found the dead rubber ad. And apparently it took him like five hours or so to get to get Todd to stand down. Well, not stand down. They got Todd eventually, but... Apparently, he held up for, what? Yeah, five hours. And almost dark before they took him down, so... Yeah, things things kind of escalated, you know? It, it escalated a lot, I'd say. Oh. Yeah, so that was Apt Pupil. It was an interesting read. Just a devolving mental state between these two two characters and all the stuff that happens around them the main takeaway i get from the story is just how todd is how much leeway and freedom todd is given just because he gets good grades and how much praise he gets even though it's undeserving and this is the outcome i don't know, i just i just, to me it says a lot about how, how society works, where there are things that are valued and people lose sight of actual things that should be valued. This, These grades, these scholarships, these sports, in the long run, don't really matter as much. But they are so praised if you have good grades and you're good at sports. Even if you're not a good person, sometimes that people feel like that all these things counteract that. And because of it, people didn't realize what was happening. Todd obviously was becoming more unhinged, but people refused to actually look into it. Even his own parents, who obviously loved him, still didn't really care enough to go into it. Because they they couldn't get past their, their feeling that Todd was could not be this type of person. When really anyone could be this type of person. This book represents presents Todd as... Smart, you know, he's the he's the ideal person. He's white. He's a guy. He's smart. He he's again athletic. He's I he's he's the best. But no one is no one is. What's the word I'm looking for? Everyone can is can be like. I'm trying to look for the right words. Everyone can become like Todd. 
Regardless of who you are, anyone can be like Todd. Either the good parts or the extremely bad parts. No one is safe from that. Because no one... No one specifically... I'm, I'm basically just saying everyone can take the wrong turns and everyone can take the right turns. No one is... Trying to find the right words for this. I, I'm trying to use the word safe, but I don't know if safe is the right word. Basically, anyone can become that. Even if Todd was this amazing apt pupil, he still became it. And just the same, everyone thought Todd was going to become super successful in life. And you know, just because he had good grades, someone with horrible grades, someone who wasn't athletic, still could become successful or more successful than what than people than what people thought Todd could be is my takeaway from the story but yeah that was apt pupil it was a very disturbing read to say the least um it was enjoyable because it was like watching watching a car fire just get worse and worse and only see like thankfully like okay i don't want to I don't want to describe this badly, but basically it's one of those things where you're like, this is horrible, but I gotta keep watching it, is basically what Apt Pupil was like for me. 